Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the Bay Area Panthers pod, coming to you after a big win for Bay Area, leveling back to 500 in the young season after week six. They are now 2-2, two and two, defeating the Northern Arizona Wranglers. And uh, we're going to dig into this 47-13 win. But before we do, Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with you as always. We're coming to you on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Please check out our previous episode, Season 2 for the Panthers, Season 2 for the pod. Mark, my man, how are you? I'm doing well. It's still coming down after the high of that victory over the weekend. Uh, dominant. Uh, we can safely say the most dominant win in Panthers franchise history. There's been three of them now. We've seen all three of them. The first two were by the skin of your teeth victory. So this was the first laugher in favor of the Panthers. It was it was a lot of fun down at SAP. A dominant win, a much needed win. So I'm still uh, coming down for that. I'm doing well overall, though. How are you, Evan? I'm good. Yeah, we finally did come down indeed from the fifth level of the SAP Center where our <laughs> broadcast perch is very high up above the black turf. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, but you're right. No, this was the the best win in franchise history, bar none. And I think you mentioned it on the broadcast, Mark, but two different quarters in this game in which they shut out the Wranglers mm. prior to there had only been two quarters in the franchise's existence in which they had held an opponent to zero points. They did it once last year. And then of course they did it against Tucson the week before at home. Uh, but 47 to 13, the final score in this one, it was a game that they, they pretty much dominated from start to finish. And before we get into some of the statistics and individual performances, Mark, I, I felt like this was the script that the Panthers were looking for against Tucson in the close loss in a game. They thought probably got away from them. At the end of the first quarter, you look up, there's no points on the other side of the scoreboard. You look up at the tail end of the first half. You have a chance to separate yourself at the end against Tucson. A block kick turning into a touchdown created a 10-point swing, gave the Sugar Skulls all the momentum. This week against the Wranglers, the Bay Area Panthers stepped on the Wranglers' throat and were able to carry a dominating lead heading into the half and then really just extended in the second half along with a couple of return touchdowns, a defensive um, turnover. This was an all-around great performance from Bay Area 
on offense, defense, and special teams. Really the first time I think we've seen them play a, a near perfect game in all three phases. Yeah, you're right. Uh, quickly, before I dive into that, I want to circle back to that stat you mentioned off the top. Scoreless quarters, the Panthers, uh, you know, defensively. Uh, so in their first 18 games, that's 72 quarters worth of football. They held the team scoreless in a quarter one time. One time out of 72 quarters. In their last eight quarters of play, they've held the team scoreless three times in a quarter. Uh, so it's probably just a case of, you know, a small sample here, the last eight quarters, but definite, definite improvement defensively for the Panthers. And I think we're beginning to see the, we, we talked about kind of the statistical inequities when it comes to points allowed versus yards allowed. I think we kind of saw those two get a little closer together after the game on Sunday, but you're a hundred percent right. The first time, not just this year, but I mean, in Panthers history, we saw the team play in a nearly flawless game on all three phases. Certainly there were still issues. I think the coaching staff would probably hope and wish for a, a little more, uh, I don't know, dominant explosive offensive game. But I mean, they were up 30 what, midway through the third quarter, getting towards the end of the third quarter. And, and then you just naturally, even if you don't want to, you naturally let your foot off the gas a little bit. So uh, I'm with you um, the first time in, in this team's history that they've played great in all three phases the defense was the star of the day for me uh we just mentioned the scoreless quarters they didn't allow a point in the first or third quarters um they also scored a defensive touchdown that you mentioned they were dominant on special teams scored uh, a couple of times on special teams they also uh had the 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 rouge point after they didn't allow the return man to get out of the end zone on a kickoff uh they were really really good in this one, the defense, the star for me, but that does I'm not trying to say anything bad about special teams in the offense. That's just how good the defense was. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think part of that too was, you know, getting your butt kicked a little bit the week before against Tucson. Maybe yeah. you feel like they hadn't performed as well. I think they were allowing about 46 points per game heading in. And of course that takes a steep fall after a 13 point allowed performance against Northern Arizona. Uh, number two, you're facing the defending IFL champions at home. You have a chance to essentially make a statement to the rest of the league. And Northern Arizona is the number one defense and kind of a middle-of-the-pack offense. But they'd been coming off a week in which they scored seven touchdowns against San Diego, a team that you'll be playing very soon. Um, so I think the second part of that was having a chance to make a statement. And the third was... A little bit of bragging rights, Mark. It was a storyline heading into the Tucson game and, of course, this game with Rob Keefe, defensive coordinator for the Panthers, with Northern Arizona last year, and then several members of the secondary on Northern Arizona's IFL championship team now being with the Panthers. We saw a couple of those guys make some big plays, and I think there was some added juice, some added focus behind the matchup. And if you're speaking about the defense specifically, I think it really showed on that side of the ball because of those three factors. Yeah, no, uh, it was great to see Rob Keefe be able to, to come out and, and kind of hold his former team in check. Now that's a really a brand new offense. They have a, a few holdovers from their champion championship team. But I remember, I mean, the, the Wranglers beat the Panthers three times in the regular season last year. Two were down in Northern Arizona. We got to see them once in person at SAP. I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I remember Quentin Randolph, the star receiver for the Wranglers last year, had like 
five touchdowns and like almost 200 yards. Seemed like every possession, just a 40 yard bomb down the field to Quentin Randolph. Um, he's no longer on the team. Uh, their quarterback last year, no longer on the team. Their running back last year, no longer on the team. A couple other receivers last year, no longer on the team. Um, so it's a brand new offense. Uh, but even considering that, I mean, they've put up a lot of really good offensive numbers so far this year. So it's not like they were a slouch offensively. Um, and it still makes what the Panthers did really, really impressive. And something you mentioned on the broadcast as well, entering last week, so entering week five of the season, the, the low uh, for a points scored in a single game this year was 13 points. The Wranglers then allowed nine against San Diego in their most recent game before this one. But the Panthers hold the Wranglers a high-scoring offense to just 13 points. That's that's no small task. Like Sometimes you see 13-point totals in the NFL. It's a really good day for an NFL team. In an IFL game, it is an incredible day. I mean, you see scores in the 50s more often than in the 20s. In the 60s, maybe more often than in the 20s. I mean, that's how high scoring this league is. So to hold the team to 13 points, I mean, if I were to find a comparison, like what's the the high end, the high point total that's as unlikely as a 13 point total is, I would say in the 70s. I mean, th that's how how incredible the, the 13 point output was allowed by the Panthers defense. No, to put it in perspective, I think the betting over under for this game was 90 and a half. Yeah. So the Panthers held up their end of the bargain, scoring 47. Yeah. And Northern Arizona, you know, wasn't up to the task if you're uh, one of those degenerates out there betting on the but, IFL. Yeah. By the way, the trend, uh, the last two Panthers games have gone quite a bit under. That's true. So, uh, I mean, maybe they're going to break the trend next time out. But Something hey. to keep an eye on. <laughs> well, th their offense might, but we can get into why their their defense may not allow many points uh, coming up in just a little bit. But as far as the offense is concerned, and, th and this was really the story of the game, and maybe a reason why you're wondering why the, the number was so high, is because Northern Arizona was the number one defense mm. by points allowed entering this game, 32 points. And a big part of that was because of their rushing defense, which was top three in the IFL they allowed, Mark, I think it was about 46 or 47 yards per game on the ground. And Bay Area racked up 118. Um, and then, of course, if you include the losses, the net yardage was 105, including three rushing touchdowns, one of which from Dalton Sneed, two of which from Justin Rankin. And I know that was a big missing piece in the loss against Tucson, but with Justin Rankin inactive last week, this week, it was very clear his presence was felt on the field, not only, of course, in the running game, but I think he opened up some lanes for Dalton Sneed in the option game. And then, of course, didn't allow the defense to be as aggressive. Some of that's the score playing from playing from ahead. But I just think also the receivers were able to have just a little, maybe an extra second to kind of create some space and get open for Snead because there was some eyes in the backfield on a guy like Justin Rankin. Um, I thought it was night and day different between last week and this with him on the field. Yeah, I, I think this was a kind of a classic case of pick your poison if you're the Northern Arizona defense. Um, I think Rankin, you're right. He did allow uh, some openings down the field. I mean, we saw Nigeria Jackson uh, where JT Stokes, he, those two were competing for a touchdown. They were both wide open in the back of the end zone. Then the big Niger Jackson coming down with it. But wide receivers only caught four passes from Dalton Sneed in this game for the Panthers. Uh, Sneed had eight completions, four of them 
went to his running back, Justin Rankin, for 29 yards. The one touchdown again went to Nigeria Jackson. He had two catches, 34 yards. JT Stokes, two catches, 19 yards. But that's it, catching passes. Um, so I, I think what you saw, Evan, was the, the, the Wranglers' defense say, all right, we're not going to let the passing game beat us. We're going to play a little softer. Uh, we're not going to stack the box as much. We're not going to bring a blitzer as often. We're going to drop five guys back into coverage. Remember in the IFL, you have eight players on the field, three down linemen, uh, and then you have four defensive backs and kind of one roving linebacker normally. And that linebacker can blitz. He has to identify himself to the defense and to the officials as the fourth blitzer, but doesn't have to blitz. Uh, and I have to go back and look at the tape, but I would be shocked, Evan, uh, if the, the number of blitzes that the Wranglers called was, I don't know, more than 15 throughout the entire game, probably, uh, you know, even a few handful less than that down around the 10 mark. Um, and as a result of that, Justin Rankin and the running game was able to to work well. Uh, the Wranglers did a pretty good job shutting down the pass offense. But again, in a league like the IFL, you're going to get beat somewhere. It's, it's just the way it works. I guess the Panthers defense was the exception in this game. They only gave up 13 points. Um, but I think that Wranglers defense tried to take away the Panthers passing attack. And they did a pretty good job at that. Really the one big play down the field, but it opened up a lot underneath both in the passing game for Justin Rankin, the running back and in the run game for both Rankin and Snead. 100%. Yeah, and, and I think this game was, if we're going to key in on, on a couple of, of key plays, sort of one at the tail end of the first half. You know, you're looking at kind of some back and forth, and I think teams were feeling each other out early, and it was a very physical ball game, as one might expect, between the defending champs and the Barry Panthers who are trying to knock off those defending champs. Um, Northern Arizona also towards the top of the West and Barry trying to climb back into the hunt. They did so with a victory. Now both teams are two and two. Um, but you know, Dalton Sneed gets in at the 10 minute mark with a 13 yard run and then, you know, they, they take the lead and it, Northern Arizona didn't have much going for them. A lot of that is credit to the Panthers defense, but you know, a, a, a turnover on downs block kick, uh, they made some plays and also the pan, uh, the Wranglers part of me did have a missed field goal in the first half as well. But then you get down to kind of that, that two minute mark where the Panthers take over on their side of the field. And it's an opportunity to, to punch one in, especially considering not only what happened against Tucson, but also Northern Arizona has got the ball coming out of half. So if yeah. you don't get a score there or, God forbid you give the ball back and the Wranglers come down and score. You're not only looking at a tie game, but you're looking at your opponent getting out of the locker room with a chance to take the lead and the momentum. And I thought that slamming the door really with under a minute left uh, and credit to Niger Jackson, who is, you know, really become a standout receiver as well as a special teams player for these Panthers, um, a 28 yard touchdown catch from Dalton Sneed sort of late in the half with 54 seconds left and then coming out of the half, Northern Arizona, unable to do anything on their first drive, I thought really cemented the, the dominance that the Panthers not only showed through the majority of the first half, but then, of course, continued throughout the rest of the game. Um, you know, Brandon Fisher, his his field goal was blocked at the beginning of that second half. And one thing that you pointed out, Mark, that um, I didn't really fully grasp until later was the fact that, you know, forcing a field goal and Northern Arizona taking the chance to go for a field goal instead of going for it on fourth down, I also thought was one of the inflection points of this game. Yeah, I mean, 
I didn't want to say it on the broadcast at the moment because I didn't want to jinx anything. But that almost, I mean, I don't think this is the right description of it, but it, it almost felt to me like a, a white flag moment. I don't know. Like, I feel like you need to go for the score there. It was, what, fourth and nine from around what, the, the 12 or 13-yard line, 15-yard line. Yeah, Something and as like we've that. learned in the IFL, getting a field goal is kind of almost like getting a stop. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And when you consider, I mean, even the best kickers in the IFL make 50% of their kicks, their field goals. Mm. I mean, it's not easy to make field goals. It's not even easy to make PATs. I mean, how many missed point after touchdowns did we see on Sunday? Like, that's that. I, I agree with you 100%. That felt like a moment where it was okay, the Wranglers aren't too confident in their offense right now. Um, and that brings me to to a different point. I was surprised, Evan, we did not see this Wranglers offense take a few more shots down the field, especially early in the game. Um, I mean, how has this Panthers defense been beaten this year? It had been, you know, through the passing game, deep down the field. I mean, how many times did we see big fourth down conversions? There were three of them alone in the second half against Tucson, big plays through the air to convert big fourth down conversions that all went for touchdowns. Um, it was a similar story against Massachusetts, big plays through the air uh, by the Pirates against the Panthers defense. Now, I think Rob Keefe and the Panthers deserve credit for taking some of those away, but we didn't really even see the Wranglers try to test the deep ball. They didn't test the Panthers defensive backs down the field, Evan, like, I, I can't really remember of too many shots down the field. Even if you, you miss them and they fall incomplete, God forbid you throw an interception, I think you got to at least take some shots and see if the defense, you, you got to make the defense prove they can stop that. Now, maybe that's not Kettle, the, the quarterback for the Wranglers is not his strength. We haven't seen them often. This is our first time seeing them in person, this iteration of the Wranglers, that is. Um, but I was surprised we did not see the Wranglers offense take a few more shots down the field just to test the Panthers defense. Now, very possible the Panthers would have passed that test as well because they passed every other test on Sunday. But I, I think that the Wranglers missed an opportunity to take some shots down the field early, and that probably would have opened a few more things up. I'm 100% with you. I think that this Bay Area Panthers defense is dominant in space at closing gaps between receivers and secondary members when they're playing with the ball in front of them. But we've seen them give up some big plays. And that was really the only offense in the second half for Northern Arizona, a 40-yard touchdown catch by Baramad uh, Jackiel Bowman. And that was really the only area in which they could try and take advantage. And, and this is also, mind you, with a guy, Tyrone Cromwell, who is hurt in the first half. And yeah. he plays arguably the most important position in that secondary kind of this, they, they describe it as the money spot, but he's in charge of the calls and kind of plays a hybrid position. Sometimes he's in the box. Sometimes he's in coverage and he was filling in for Bill Atkins, who Wranglers fans are very familiar with was a big part of their championship run last year. So you're basically down to your third string, you know, most important position in your secondary and a guy named Tevin Homer steps up and performs very well. So I, I was surprised to see Northern Arizona, not try and attack them through the year. Um, I mean, a guy, Ryan Wisniewski, who had four touchdowns last week against San Diego, had one catch for seven yards. And like you mentioned, credit to the Panthers and Rob Keefe. They clearly had a great game plan coming in, and they implemented it. Uh, but I was shocked to see Garrett Kettle 
oftentimes just tuck and run instead of trying to extend a play and attempt to beat the Panthers deep. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, I was surprised by that as well. Panthers will certainly take it. It, it seemed like they had a plan for everything yeah. the Wranglers tried. It just didn't seem like the Wranglers tried all that much. I, I thought that was interesting. Um, one thing that you said, talking about the injuries in the defensive backfield, kind of you know brought this memory back to my mind. I don't remember if if we said this on a broadcast, if we said it on a podcast here on the pod, or if we just said it off air. Um, but I remember us talking about kind of the roster construction and how many Wranglers uh, are, you know, Wranglers last year are now Panthers, specifically in the defensive secondary. And you and I were talking about they've got some depth in that defensive secondary, but they don't really have a lot of depth elsewhere defensively, just considering the roster limitations you have in the IFL. 25-man roster, 21-man active game day rosters. Now they do have you know, some other guys who are on standby in the area in case there are injuries that the Panthers would like to keep close. But you have 25 guys that are 100% yours. They have a lot of defensive backs, Evan. And I remember you and I were talking about what happens if, you know, someone goes down on the defensive line. They don't really have a lot of depth there. Um, and that's still the case. But considering that they're dealing now with a couple of injuries to the defensive secondary, you, you see the benefit of having that depth in the defensive secondary. It was on full display on Sunday, the win over the Wranglers, uh, because, as you mentioned, a couple of guys had to step in, one before the game and the, the injury of, of Bill Atkins, and then another during the game when another guy goes down. And, and if they don't have that depth in the secondary, maybe it's a, it's a different game entirely. It probably is, yeah. But uh, fortunately, we'll never know because the Panthers beat the Northern Arizona <laughs> Wranglers 47-13, to their best victory this season by far. Probably, as Mark put it, their best victory in their franchise going back to last year. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And now, speaking of opponents that they have beaten in their franchise history, we'd like to turn our attention to the San Diego Strike Force. Before we do, remind you, as always, to subscribe and download the Barry Panthers pod wherever you get your podcasts. As always, a part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. Okay, the San Diego Strike Force. The Panthers will head down to Southern California this week. The next home game is May 6th. For those of you wondering, when's the next time you can see your Panthers in person? BarryPanthers.com for tickets at the SAP Center. Uh, but the San Diego Strike Force, a kind of newly reformed uh, San Diego team, Mark. They looked like, uh, quite frankly, the proverbial punching bag of the IFL the first couple of weeks this season. And Northern Arizona would you know put that on full display prior to coming up to San Jose and then catching the paws of the Panthers. Uh, but two <laughs> weeks ago, San Diego could only muster nine points. And now it looks like they have a new quarterback with Nate Davis, one of the best passers in the league, formerly with Duke City last year. He gets his way to San Diego via trade. And it's looking now like the strike force are much more of a potent team than they were just seven days ago. Yeah, I think if you're the Panthers, you are a little upset that you didn't have the uh, strike force on your schedule a little earlier. 
uh, because this team looks entirely different now. Nate Davis, as you mentioned, is their quarterback, the latest acquisition by San Diego. Uh, he was the 2021 IFL Offensive Player of the Year, Nate Davis. Uh, I know there was a little bit of drama there. He didn't win MVP that year, but he won <laughs> Offensive Player of the Year. I think we already talked about this on the yeah. pod uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago because Ramon Atkins was his backup quarterback. He's now the quarterback of the Tucson Sugar Skulls, who was the, the Panthers' most recent opponent before this last game. Um, so he was great in 2021, and then he got injured in the team's first game last year in 2022 and didn't play all the rest of that season. And now he's been acquired by San Diego, a, a nice little fresh start for him, and he leads them to a win over, you guessed it, Tucson and, you know, his former understudy in Ramon Atkins. So kind of a storybook beginning to his San Diego career for Nate Davis. Uh, and you're right. I think San Diego's got as much of a pep in their step as they've ever had in their franchise's history. They're in the same boat as the Panthers, one of the newest franchises in the league. Haven't really had much success yet. Uh, but now they get an influx of talent at the most important position on the field, and this team suddenly looks a little more daunting uh, than you you might have thought just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and they're coming off of perhaps the most thrilling game in the IFL season thus far. Like you mentioned, the double overtime win, but it was a Hail Mary at the end of regulation that even forced overtime because the strike force missed the extra point. So, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, I'm sure, riding a roller coaster wave of emotions right now. And who knows whether that favors San Diego or perhaps a bit of a, you know, a, a come down that could favor Bay Area. But uh, the Panthers have only one road game this year, came a few weeks ago against Massachusetts just before the bye week. They lost that, that game, so they get a crack at their second road test this year. It'll be against San Diego. And and kind of because of what you mentioned specifically with Davis, as well as the, the game itself that we saw against Tucson, you, you kind of have to throw out all the stats that yep. you've seen piled up thus far. I mean, the, right now, if you're just looking at them on paper, uh, there, there's nothing to write home about. San Diego is the worst defense, uh, worst worst offense, pardon me, in the league in terms of points per game with only 32 scored. You know, their their defense has been middle of the pack, allowing 42 and a half. You're looking at their totals, not much more impressive defensively. The 12th best team in terms of total defense, total offense, you know, is top half, barely. Um but the Panthers pretty much, Mark, have to be ready for a team that is newly formed, has got some juice off a of win against a, a former top team in Tucson that beat Bay Area. And it's just looking like one of those games where you roll out the football and see who's got the better squad. And right now, if you're the Panthers, even though you're two and two, I feel like you have to have a lot of confidence heading into this uh, one because I mean, San Diego, I know they got the win against them last year, um, the only one of the season, and this is their first crack against them this year. But but also because the Panthers have played a really tough schedule thus far and come out of the other side 500. Uh, so now, in a way, you can kind of breathe a little bit, reset, heading into, heading into week seven, knowing that you face arguably the best four teams in the IFL outside of probably Frisco. Um, and now you get a chance to face a team that's feeling themselves a little bit, and you got a, a chance to put a whooping on them. Yeah, Frisco looks dominant, by the way, the only uh, remaining undefeated team in the IFL, but you're right. Uh, this is uh, a game where 
you don't want to see a step back. Of course, you never do. But you're feeling good about yourselves. You just came off of a dominant win. And on paper, as you said, this might look like, uh, gimme is the wrong word, but this might look like your easiest game of the year up to this point. It might look, it might feel that way. But I guarantee you, you know, in their practices this week already, Head coach Darren Arbett, offensive coordinator Dixie Wooten, defensive coordinator Rob Keefe are saying exactly what you just said. Hey, forget about the stats. Forget about what uh, the numbers tell us about San Diego. This is a different team than they've been, um, you know, so far this year. So I, I think that this team, it's a its a veteran group, um, and they're beginning to, to gel together a little bit more as we've seen this most recent performance is their best of the year. I think the team will head into that game with the right mentality. Um, they they will know that this is a challenge. It, it's not, you know, any kind of easy game. And you remember last year, I mean, this is uh, a team in San Diego that the Panthers got their only win against. It was the first game in franchise history, an epic, wild win. And then the Panthers played San Diego later on the year. Uh, down on the road, San Diego was a better team by then, but it, it's not like they were world beaters by any stretch. Uh, and the Panthers got uh, absolutely demolished in that game, 66 to 26. Now, I know it's literally an entirely different team. There's like almost zero similarities between the two teams, but just in terms of mindset, you know, it was the team that you beat. You feel like, all right, we can get our second win of the season now. Uh, let's go down there. And no, you lost by 40. Um, I, I don't expect that to happen this time around, but I do think you're onto something that almost the, the way you approach the preparation for this game is hugely important because the, the numbers don't tell the, the story at all about what this San Diego team is. Well, we're going to find out what the numbers tell us at the end of this weekend. Again, they'll be playing the San Diego Strike Force. That's a Sunday game, 305 kick in San Diego. So if you're going to watch, please do so on YouTube on 95.7 The Game. You can listen. Dave Lewis will be on the call for that one. And then May 6th, so Saturday, May 6th, at 605 is the next time you can see the Panthers at SAP Center. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Barry Panthers Pod. That's Mark Randy. I'm Evan Giddings. We appreciate you tuning in as always on the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. That'll do it for this episode. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers Pod, part of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.